Welcome to another edition of the Books and Culture Podcast. I'm Stan Guthrie, your host, and with us as always is John Wilson, who's the editor of Books and Culture. And today, John, will be looking at a new book by J. Richard Middleton. It looks really interesting. Thanks, Dan. This book is another in our series of coming attractions. It's due in December from Baker Academic. It's called A New Heaven and a New Earth, Reclaiming Biblical Eschatology. As you mentioned, the author is J. Richard Middleton. There are authors who we read because their view of the world seems so compellingly persuasive to us. So there are a handful of writers like that made for their next book, and there's a sense of deep concord when we read them. There are other authors whose view of the world is in some ways different from ours, and they are, I guess you might say, in some ways like sparring partners. And for me, Middleton is one of those people. That is to say, I've read a number of books by him, and I've also heard him speak several times. I often find myself in disagreement with him, and yet some of the core values that animate his work and his life are also very important to me. And so he's someone who I find very helpful because on the one hand, he is often arguing for views that in some way I disagree with. And at the same time, that's coming from those core convictions that I was talking about that we share. Give me a for instance. This new book is a, for instance, it's a book that I think many, many readers of books and culture, many of the people who listen to these podcasts regularly will want to read. And it carries on a conversation that you and I have talked about before that, for instance, N.T. Wright is a participant in this conversation. And to give you, the title alone probably helps you peg that, but I'm going to read a passage from quite near the end of the book that gives you an orientation. He says, the customary way of interpreting the text, he's talking about a passage in Luke 4, is indebted to an unbiblical dualism that separates this good world that God made into artificial categories of sacred and secular, holy and profane, spiritual and material, personal and social. Until recently, many commentaries on Luke 16 to 30 downplayed the idea that God and Christ was actually concerned about real flesh and blood, poor people or captives, or those oppressed by social injustice, and so on. This bifurcated view of reality has prevented the church, and still prevents many readers today, from hearing the good news of the first episode during the events at Nazareth. It presents us from grasping how amazingly good the news is that Jesus brings. By our otherworldly dualism, which devalues the concrete, fleshly, embodied world that God made, We limit the scope of God's redemptive activity in Christ and so conceive of salvation as snatching sinners out of this world so that they might inhabit another realm, heaven, in quotation marks, giving that term a theological weight and interpretation completely out of alignment with its biblical significance. So that is really the core of this book. It's a carefully argued book. It's a book that I think anyone 
who's interested in this conversation that we're talking about, that as I said, Tom Wright has been a key player in, but there are many more, should read it and wrestle with. And some will read it with just a constant series of amens. (laughs) Some will be extremely critical, and others will be more in the middle, as I describe myself. People sometimes ask, you know, what's your favorite verse, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and I hesitate to do that because the thing about Scripture is I just got today in, in the mail just a little while before you came to the office, I got a bound galley of a book called God's Story in 66 Verses, understand the entire Bible by focusing on just one verse in each book. And it's by someone named Stan Guthrie. Yeah, I've heard of him. (laughs) Published by Thomas (laughs) Nelson. And I flipped in here, and right near the beginning, I saw the dedication. I saw the book was dedicated to me, and I felt deeply grateful and touched by that. But the theme of this book is one that's very close to my heart, that all of us who take the Bible seriously, who believe, which to many of our sophisticated friends seems incredible. I mean, they like us, they respect us, and yet they just don't understand how we could believe anything as nutty that this is really the Word of God, you know? (laughs) Can he be serious? Do they really believe that? And if we really do believe that, then it's very important for us to try to get the big picture and to not seize on this part or that part and emphasize it in a way that leaves out other things that are all crucial to the truth that God is extraordinarily kind enough to reveal to us. And so the idea that animates this book of yours of looking at these salient verses that convey the whole arc of Scripture is very close to my heart. And that is what J. Richard Middleton is trying to do in this book. Mm. He talks right at the beginning. There's a wonderful passage which was dear to my editor's heart. In the preface, he's saying, having to explain the background assumption of the redemption of creation in many different settings and different audiences, I finally decided to write an article that would marshal the central biblical evidence, as I understood it, for a holistic understanding of salvation. That's something he refers to a lot, holistic Mm -hmm. eschatology, with a focus on eschatology. The article, titled A New Heaven and a New Earth, was published in 2006. Soon after its publication, Rodney Clapp, then senior editor at Brazos Press, Baker Academics, suggested I turn the article into a book. The time is ripe, he said, over a spicy dinner of Thai food, for an accessible and clear book-length statement of holistic eschatology. This book is my attempt to respond to Rodney's eschatological-sounding challenge. Since then, Rodney has moved on to take the reins of another publishing company, and I'm grateful for Jim Kinney's shepherding this book to publication. I'm also grateful for his patience as the book's completion, like the eschaton, (laughs) was delayed. But (laughs) now, looping back, I digressed a bit from the point I was making about favorite verses. If I'm really pushed, we'll say, well, maybe Acts 3.21 is my favorite verse. And, And there's a part in this book by Middleton where he's talking about that passage in a wonderful chapter that's called The Redemption of All Things. Mm. He's considering several texts that have to do with the redemption of all things. And he says, The simplest, though seemingly most cryptic, of the five texts is in Acts 3. Here Peter is preaching the gospel in Jerusalem at the entrance to the temple courts. As part of his message, Peter exhorts his hearers. And then he quotes Acts 3.19 through 21 in a 
somewhat different translation from what I usually use, but that's fine. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is Jesus, who must remain in heaven until the time of universal restoration that God announced long ago through his holy Mm. prophets. So that italicized phrase in this passage, universal restoration, apokatastasis in Greek, the redemption of all things, the restoration of all things, it's sometimes translated. I think he's right in zeroing in on that passage and others are akin to it, even though, as it turns out, like almost everything else about our faith, Christians disagree about exactly what that means and what it entails. But I think it's a very important conversation, and I think this book is an excellent way of continuing it. 